How to Build a Leadership Structure in Youth Ministry. All this and more on Youth and Culture. Well, guys, we finally made it. Finally made it to episode 10, double digits. Um, If you're new and you're listening today, I just want to thank you for making this a part of your day. Uh, Those of you who've been listening for a while, um, again, uh, you've probably been wondering, where in the world have I been at the past couple weeks? Uh, The couple weeks ago, it was, of course, on a mission trip with my teenagers. Uh, went to Cincinnati, Ohio, had an awesome time uh, doing a mission trip, uh, partnering alongside World Changers. So it was an awesome a mission trip. And last week, I decided not to do an episode. Uh, I was spending time with my uh, wife uh, away from the kids, just us to a much needed uh, getaway uh, for us just to spend time with each other. Uh, so I just decided to take another break. I uh, felt like spending time with my wife was a little bit more important uh, than doing a podcast episode. Uh, but I'm glad to be back. Um, I had an opp- the, This week's episode, I had an opportunity uh, to talk to Todd Atkins. Uh, Todd Atkins is kind of over the leadership portion of LifeWay. So I was really excited to get to talk to him and kind of how how leadership is connected to youth ministry and how to build a leadership structure uh, within uh, youth ministry, what that look like, looks like. And we kind of talk about uh, a little bit about the leadership pipeline and how to apply that in uh, youth ministry as well. So stay tuned as we talk to Todd Atkins. Well, guys, I am really excited to have the opportunity to talk with Todd Atkins today about developing a leadership structure within uh, youth ministry. Uh, Todd is a part of Lifeway, and I'll let him talk a little bit more about that. Uh, but Todd, how about how about you introduce yourself a little bit, your journey in ministry, and uh, where you are today? Okay. Um, so I'm uh, currently the director of uh, Lifeway Leadership, so that has under it church planting, which is uh, new churches. So if you went to newchurches.com or familiar with that, um, I know a lot of, uh, there's a lot of crossover between student ministry and church planting. So that might be a good connection. The other thing would be multi-site. And then in addition to that, there's a bunch of other stuff we do, but podcast wise, we run Lifeway Leadership Podcast Network, which includes five leadership questions, new churches, but also Tom Rayner, uh, Rainer on leadership, JD Greer's, um, ask me anything and, um, Robbie Gallaty's making disciples. I mean, there's some really good podcasts in that network. So 
Um, you should check that out. Unseen, which is a newer podcast uh, that is like not from Leaders Highlight Reel, but um, like, hey, what, what lies beneath? You know, like Craig Rochelle, don't tell us uh, about what things are like now, but when you started your church and your garage, tell us about that time. Don't, don't tell us about, you know, now we want to get deep into the weeds on that. So it's a newer one. That's really cool. That I like wish I'd thought of it. Um, but the biggest thing that we do, the two biggest things we do are something called leadership pipeline, which is like a philosophy and framework of, um, ministry development, specifically people development in your church, you know, with all the talk about revitalization and everything else. I'm like, Hey, at the end of the day, if you want to grow your church, you got to grow your people. I don't care what program, uh, you want to use or not use or, or whatever. But the reality is we are where we are for multiple reasons. Um, but a biggest piece of that is with church growth movement. Um, we, we kind of moved the finish line and we made that baptism. Um, so we were so sensitive to people coming into our church and attractional model that we basically said, Hey, here's the finish line and we baptized them. And now we just entertain them for the most part. But anyway, um, I came to Lifeway about seven years ago from McLean Bible church where David Platt is now. I was the number two guy there, the executive pastor there. Um, for a number of years, started a bunch of campuses, but mostly what I um, focused my time on was staff development, strategic initiatives. So that's a little bit of of who I am. But I did grow up um, in you know church of less than a hundred people, um, and most of the churches, uh, most of my journey was in smaller churches until after seminary and then getting into some medium and large. And I don't even know what you call a church like McLean. It's a giga church. Um, <laughs> but, but a lot of fun. And I'll tell you this, I learned as much about leadership in the smaller churches and from Bible guys like my dad, um, than I did anywhere else. I mean, I grew up in the middle of nowhere, Kentucky, uh, with one stoplight in the County, not the town. And so, you know, people had tobacco on the ground. It was Friday, uh, it was Sunday night and it was going to rain. We didn't have church because we went and uh, loaded up the wagons. I mean, you know, that's how I grew up um, with good and godly people who were just, you know, serving every week and um, they weren't the most well-educated or, or smartest or couldn't have asked a good coaching question, but they were a good and godly person willing to have the conversation. And that's why I'm who I am. I mean, it's more of those people than it is anything fancy later on in life. So that's it. That's a very long answer. Sorry about that. Well, that's a in great, roundabout way. I, that's actually a, a could be a sh short answer because you could go into it even longer if you wanted to. Um, but uh, one thing I, want, I wanted to ask you when it, of course this, this is a uh, youth ministry call, uh, podcast uh, specifically so one question I want to ask you when it comes to leadership, because that's what you're most known for when it comes to LifeWay, specifically leadership and the leadership pipeline. Uh, but do you think strong leadership skills is important in youth ministry? And why, if, it, if that's the case, then why is it important? Well, I mean, uh, good gracious. Uh, it's not... Okay. So as a leader, I think your number one job is to learn in front of people is to learn in front of your students is to learn in front of your volunteers. Um, 
you know, to be authentic and vulnerable, not so vulnerable that, you know, I throw up on everybody or I live a codependent life. That's not leadership. That's something else. Um, but it's saying, you know what, this is, uh, this is important. I'm going to model this. I'm going to lead by example. That is the most effective style of leadership. It's not just, oh, I have a system and a structure and I have clarity and everybody knows where we're going and where they fit in. That's great. Um, but it does nothing unless you live it out and you model that effectively and bring other people through. Otherwise, you just get simple addition. You don't get like actual multiplication happening in your church. The only way you do that is through people and engaging those people. It's not, you know, because you have some great alpha, awesome leader. Um, that's a flash in the pan. If you want legacy, it's recognizing my fruit grows on other people's trees. And I can tell you people that were students in my student ministry a number of years ago that you know, I'm super proud of because that that's my fruit. Like my fruit is not, you know, how many people got baptized. Um, it's really what those people did, you know, what those people are doing now, 20 years later is, is it. Um, you kind of were so, hitting yes. off. <laughs> yeah. You kind of hit a little bit. So, uh, this is kind of connected, but you kind of, uh, mentioned something that maybe started thinking of what would you define success in youth ministry? Um, success is going to be uh, reproduction at the student level. So it's not how many students can I get in the room? It's how many students can students get in the room? So it is really democratizing development. So I would say the biggest mistake that we make, um, if you go back and, and, you know, if I'm talking about leadership pipeline as an example, and I'm saying it's a philosophy and a framework because it is saying, hey, it's not the staff job to recruit and develop volunteers. It's the volunteer's job to recruit and develop volunteers. If, I, if it's not, then I'm doing that ineffectively and I'm not doing it. I'm not even in the best position. The volunteers actually know their job better than I do because they've now actually experienced it. I'm, I may have put it together, but they're the ones doing it week by week. And P.S., they're the one that's positioned to actually know other people in the congregation or in the ministry. Likewise, your students are better positioned. They're at their school 24 uh, seven. They're, you know, at the, the football game, you can be at the football game, but there's places that you can't go that they can. And there's an effect that you can't, that you can, you, that they only can have that, you, that you can't, because again, they're with other students all the time. So I would look at this as moving people, helping people understand uh, just what we were talking about before that Ephesians two, eight, nine, isn't the end. We have to move people to Ephesians two ten. Most, most, most people listening to this podcast can quote Ephesians two, eight, nine in their sleep, but can they quote Ephesians two ten? Can they say, yes, we're God's workmanship and he has things specifically uh, in mind for each one of us. Can I move my students into that to help them understand what that means? If not, I, as a leader, have not graduated to Ephesians 4 because it's my one job to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And that's easy to say um, and harder to do because what has been typically modeled for us is ministry is something to be you know, done by us, not um, 
it's done through doing, not equipping. And so until we shift our mindset to say, hey, I want every person, every volunteer, every student that comes into my ministry to move from being a learner to um, being a leader and then ultimately a multiplier, wherever God's called them to be. So I'm not saying every student in your student ministry needs to become a pastor or needs to become, you know, your coach over leaders, over teams, over, you know, volunteers. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that whatever level of, of leadership God has called you to, or that person to, um, they need to be obedient in that and multiply themselves there. So I don't care if a volunteer ever moves to becoming a leader over others. I want them to multiply themselves where they are. That's the number one goal. When I see them doing that, that's when I'm going to tap into be a leader. I'm not going to ask them to be a leader just because they show up on time and, you know, aren't a sociopath and, and don't get uh, in trouble relationally. It's more than that. It's seeing that multiplication. That's the kind of leader I want because that's what's going to scale. Does that make sense? Absolutely. I totally agree. Um, you're kind of, kind of, you're kind of hitting on this uh, as well, but how, how would you develop, how, in your opinion, how would you develop a, a leadership pipeline uh, specifically in youth ministry? What are some ideas of doing that? So um, there's a book that's called Simple Church that uh, was written by uh, Rainer, Dr. Rainer, sorry. And um, Eric Geiger, Eric Geiger and I were in seminary together in like 1999, 2000. And we went up to Cincinnati to start this student ministry. It was off campus and it just blew up. And I think one of the reasons why was at the time we were like process, uh, um, purpose driven church was massive. Like it was the thing and like all good uh, guys in their twenties, they rail against whatever is popular at the time. Uh, and so we said, we're going to write the process driven church. And Eric did, that was his dissertation. He and Dr. Rayner um, took that dissertation and turned it into simple church. So if you look, so the dirty secret is that book is based on a student ministry. All the examples that are in there are from student ministry. So if you haven't read that, um, you need to pick up a copy of simple church. Uh, and it was, it was big. So your senior pastor has probably read Simple Church. Um, but the reality is the examples they're in are from a student ministry. So we said, hey, our purpose and our process are the same. And we're going to create environments around each step along that way um, that are very specific and targeted. So we said, we want people to, uh, we want our students to love Jesus, love others, and lead others to love Jesus. So we're not doing a bunch of big events. We're not filling a swimming pool with Jello or anything that was popular in the, the late 90s, early 2000s, event-driven ministry. We said, hey, every, every week our service is going to be an event, not we're going to like, you know, drop people out of helicopters or, again, anything crazy. But we are going to do that one thing really well, and it's going to be designed to bring people to Jesus. And we are going to do an altar call every single week because, well, that's just the way we were then. Um, and it was effective, um, but it didn't stop there because we said, hey, um, we want you to learn to love others. And we do that through one way, and that's our groups. And those groups are going to meet in homes and all that. So 
and if you are a adult leader that is leading one of those groups, you have to be where you have to be in that weekly service because you are going to, you and your students are going to be drawing people into that next step. And finally, if you're in, not finally, but almost finally, if you're in that um, love others setting and that environment is just really focused on that one, one thing, um, we want you to then be moving toward leading other people, leading other people to Christ and using your gifts and service to Christ. You cannot grow into spiritual maturity apart from using your gifts and service to Christ. That's biblical. Yet we treat the priesthood of the believer as if it was only about communication. It's only praying through a priest or it's only, um, you know, so we, none of us would say, oh, I have to pray through a priest to, you know, get atonement for my sins or to talk to God or, you know, sacerdotal duties like, um, I don't know, uh, Lord's Supper or, uh, you know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. priest of the believer, your listeners would all agree with in theory. But in practice, they don't actually democratize that out. They don't treat everyone like all are called and all are sent. But that is the true reality of what we see in the Bible. And honestly, up until, I don't know, maybe 80 years ago or so, that's what we saw in our churches because most were 150 or less, uh, about half were bivocational then. Um, And so you didn't see the professional pastorate. You didn't see some of the things that we're used to today as being normal, or this is the way to grow, or this is what to do. Oh, you have to staff for growth. Well, I would say no. Most of the churches, I've sat down with over 4,000 churches in the last two months have been in Indianapolis and India. Um, I've been in over 4,000 churches where I'm walking through a leadership pipeline piece. And all that is philosophy and framework. All that stuff is, I can get, Everybody has the same problem, no matter what continent you're on, no matter how much money your church has or it doesn't have, it comes back to that issue of, do we really believe in the priesthood of the believer? Do we really believe that all have been called and all have been sent and all are supposed to be disciples who make disciples who make disciples? Do we believe that? Well, we sure don't act like it. Yeah. How I, I, absolutely. That's, I think that's one element. Um, I think in church as a whole is missing, but I think sometimes specifically in youth ministry, we, we neglect that aspect of building leaders, building disciples to make disciples, to make disciples and multiplication. And that is your students. I'm not talking about your adult leaders. I'm exactly. talking about your students. Exactly. They are better positioned to have, the greatest impact with the people that are most likely to accept Jesus at this time frame in their life. They are most positioned to do that. You are not. You're I, I, positioned to develop some of those people that yeah. will go and do that, but they're the ones. And we, if we neglect that, all we're doing is entertaining them for a while. And that discipleship is only, um, there's only so much of you to go around and you're going to end up not doing well for anybody, frankly. No, I agree. But I also, also, I feel like, uh, church as a whole, but I think youth ministries struggle with this more of being very entertainment minded in a sense that you want to, uh, draw kids in the four walls of the church and, 
reach them just there without teaching them how to reach their own friends outside of the four walls of the church. Um, so I absolutely, I absolutely agree. It's, it's, it's not this adult leaders are there to mentor. There's a mentorship process with that, but it's ultimately the students reaching students. Totally. It's a student led thing because, you know, um, there's a, a student pastor. I don't know where he is now. Cause last time I checked, he was in Georgia. This was like four or five years ago. Jay Mosser. Okay. So Jay Mosser was a student in my, um, ministry. He, was like um, quarterback of the football team, super popular, but man, God got a hold of his heart. And, you know, he made some sacrifices, to be quite honest, uh, through the course of his high school years. But, you know, when we um, got people from Lakota East to, you know, the high school, um, to come to, you know, the McDonald's on Wednesday mornings at seven for Bible study. I didn't lead that Bible study. Jay led that Bible study. And over the course of time, there was another student who um, helped Jay lead that Bible study. Do you know what I'm saying? That is what it looks like. It doesn't look like me doing anything. I'm showing up for moral support sometimes, or um, I am modeling what that looks like. And then ultimately, I've got to step back from that to see that scale out to other people. And I, I can change the course of the legacy of people that I will never meet just by doing that now with that student. Because if I model that well for that student and he learns it now and not when he's in his mid thirties and realizes, man, this isn't working. What am I doing wrong? Well, I'm spending way more time doing the ministry than developing people. And Oh, I finally have my aha moment, my third great awakening in my journey with Christ, because that's what it is. It's when I come to know Christ, the day I figure out how he's wired me and what he's wanting me to do. And then most of us stop there. We never get to the next point where we figure out, oh, but now I'm moving from Ephesians 2.10 to Ephesians 4, and I'm seeing my role as equipping the saints for the work of the ministry. And unless somebody can accuse me of exclusivity, I'm probably not developing that person. Yeah, I think, I think uh, this whole concept of students discipling students, I think it's one of the my opinion based on and you can see it's a little bit of research across the board uh you can even see it with the ben true bloods uh with the within reach uh some other research by lifeway and others but one thing that i'm showing that's trending is uh, that's at least contributing to students once they graduate uh leaving the church and never come back part of it i, I really do believe it's connected with this with this idea of, of, of being students being trained been mentored to reach their friends and other students and have known the value of uh, church outside of student ministry. Cause one thing student ministries across the board, um, uh, uh, I really do believe is, is we, we've become inclusive and not, and so once uh, basically in a sense, once a student graduates, all they really know have known is being with teens in the student ministry, not necessarily being involved in church as a whole. Right. And that's kind of that. And plus discipling other, their friends, discipling uh, people in their schools, 
uh, reaching people for Christ, all this elements, I think as a whole, is kind of contributing uh, to teens walking away from the church once they graduate. Totally. And, and it's going to be messy. And part of the reasons why we sometimes don't want to do this, I mean, okay, so especially in large churches or legacy churches, like first whatever church, um, centralization of anything is a response to uh, risk or fear, perceived risk and fear. So we don't want to give that ministry away oh, well, you don't understand what's at stake. Or, oh, we need to put this policy in place or we can't let students do this because this might happen. Well, the reality is some of those things are going to happen. There's going to be a guy who you tap to lead Bible study and things are going great for eight months and then he's smoking weed, you know, after some event or gets caught doing something and you're like, man, what are you doing? Um, does Jesus love that person? Absolutely. Does that person uh, still have an immense amount of ministry that they can do? Yes, because I do believe God's caring more about who that person is than that particular screw up. And I need to have some grace there. Yeah, I can't like bring that person up on stage the next week, or I may have to take them out of something for a period of time. Um, but a lot of times in those kind of situations, we have an, we have an opportunity, um, to help that person move forward and lead well and have legacy for the rest of their lives. And sometimes we just, first, first of all, that situation never happens in a lot of churches because they'll never give that much responsibility and, uh, whatever way. But, um, the second thing that has we have an opportunity to do is how guide that person through what um, what biblical repentance looks like, what biblical restoration looks like. Part of the reason why we have such an epidemic right now among our um, among the people that I went to seminary with is because there hasn't been two things: one, um, a repentance thing that is daily and a reconciliation piece. So very few churches ever bring about restoration and reconciliation once a guy gets shot out of the saddle. And so it's hard, it's messy, but we have to do it if we're going to move forward. And if we're going to, can't say one thing and do another. But the bigger piece is, I would challenge people that are listening, um, the one thing that I figured out that seems to have be the, uh, the defining factor between guys that, you know, get washed out or get into a place where they never thought they would be is that whole idea of daily repentance. So there's guys that, you know, I look back and I go, how on earth did this person cheat on their wife or how on earth did this person, you know, embezzle this or do this? Because man, I can remember being envious of their prayer life they could pray the roof down or they were so godly or they were so fill in the blank. The only thing that I know that is different between people that do wash out and don't wash out is a daily repentance and that posture of repentance and dependence upon God. So I, you didn't ask for that. I'm just giving you. <laughs> no, it's all, it's actually, <laughs> well, it's actually, it's, well, it's a great point. And one point that you, you made uh, that I thought was pretty good too is just, uh, Giving out leadership is always a risk. 
um, in a, in a sense that you, you, and I, and at least for me, uh, personally, it, it, to me, it's always a risk because naturally I'm, I, I, I like to get things done. I'm very administrative driven, uh, uh, just very, uh, have a dominant personality, like to get things done. So to me, give away leadership responsibilities to whether adult or to a teen is naturally hard for me because I do think of the risk factors of not doing a good job, having to pick up slack, stuff like that. Even though I, I still practice, I, I know it's something, that's something that I have to practice and I do practice it within my ministry, but naturally it's hard because of, uh, of naturally thinking about taking risk. Uh, so that's yeah, actually a great point that you made. That- so, so one of the things I do with, uh, uh, with all these people that are coming through, you know, coaching days or I'm going and actually consulting with their staff or whatever is I have everybody write down their leadership challenges. Like, why isn't this happening? Why aren't we giving the ministry away? And I can tell you out of the top 10 things, you know, seven are the same at every single church. Again, whether it's Australia, India, or Indiana. Um, and about a year and a half ago, um, it hit like a ton of bricks because I'm like, oh, the really interesting thing to me is all these come back to one of four things. So you are sacrificing giving the ministry away on the altar of one of these four things, fear, control, time, or pride. So you could say, oh, Todd, you don't understand. I don't have time. It's easier. It's easier for me to do myself or excellence. So tons of people will write excellence down on their thing. And it's like, oh, we can't, you know, trust people to do that. And I'm like, well, okay. So is this a control thing for you? Is it a pride thing for you? Are you afraid of your senior pastor? Todd, you don't understand if the mic goes out on him one more time during the service. So we have to hire a part-time person to do this job. And I'm like, no, 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 you don't. Because I guarantee if you hire the person six months from now, the mic is still going to go out. Even if you have a checklist manifesto mentality and you change the batteries after every single thing, like once a year, twice a year, that is going to happen. I don't care if you pay someone or not. So there's stuff like that, that, um, we just, we sacrifice giving the ministry away on those four things. Cause sometimes it's easier in the short run to do it uh, from a time perspective, but in the long run, um, it's, it's detrimental. And I didn't give the ministry away. So not only, um, does it rob me long-term, but I didn't do what I'm supposed to do as a pastor or a church leader. And that's give the ministry away. Absolutely. Well, as we wrap up, uh, there's one question I, I want to ask you to ask everybody, but specifically in leadership, what is one piece of advice that you would give youth leaders in their ministries in relation specifically with leadership? Um, I would say go out and find yourself a good emotional intelligence test. Um, okay. So here's the thing. If you don't know yourself, you can't lead effectively with other people. You think you know yourself, but I would challenge you on that. So, I mean, the, the program that I did for staff at McLean and then here at Lifeway through our internship program is I make them take Strings Finder, Myers-Briggs, uh, and emotional intelligence. 
And so those three in particular, um, and I know Enneagram's really popular, but I'm sorry, guys, it just doesn't have 40 years of data and it looks like a pentagram. I'm just saying. Just saying. <laughs> Gargamel had that on his floor in the Smurfs. I'm just saying. Uh, but anyway, the the big thing is knowing yourself. So the ugly parts too. So if you take an emotional intelligence um, test, you're going to be disappointed in the results. It's about self-awareness, self-management, social awareness, and social management. There will be, because nobody scores a hundred. And so it's going to reveal some things. Now you have two choices. You can accept this or you can reject it. And I would say what you need to do with any personality test that you do, uh, regardless of what it is or strength finder or emotional intelligence, but emotional intelligence and personality in particular, um, take that and get yourself two highlighters. And I know you have highlighters. Uh, in one color, say, yes, this is definitely me. The other color say, no, this is not me. I disagree with this. You know, Myers-Briggs says I'm this and I agree with these things, but no, this is definitely not me. Uh, Cause God's going to give you some experiences that, you know, are just different. You can't really put anybody in a box, but you always start from somewhere and it's really important to get clarity on where you are. Then take those, you know, results and give them to people who know you well. So friends, uh, family, um, a spouse, um, you know, whoever don't give it to people who aren't going to want to make you feel bad. Just give people that are going to, you know, tell you the truth and have them do the same thing. Be like, Hey man, I know this is painful, but Hey, if you could just take 10, 15 minutes and highlight things that are definitely me and things with other color that definitely aren't me, that would be really helpful to me because you're going to find out things about yourself that will really help position you to be successful. And by that, I mean where you're going to do the most damage for the kingdom. This is not about climbing a ladder. It's just to say, okay, I understand myself well. So I'm going to put, you know, I'm going to put focus and energy on these things. Um, now I'm only going to rise to my level of incompetence. So I can't just say, Oh, I'm not good at email. So I'm not going to do that. Is that all making sense? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I totally agree. Um, it's, there's a lot of value in taking personality tests, strength tests. There's a lot of value in it. Um, that's one thing, elements. I think every job, every someone, every boss, manager should have, if they're hiring, should make the new hires, uh, take it, especially and when you're working as a staff in a church. It just helps you to know each other as a staff, know your weaknesses, know your strengths, your personalities, how your personality works. Because uh, it helps you to be able to work cl better together, knowing each other even more. So I, I totally agree with that. Uh, as, as as individual, it's great to know yourself better than you think you know yourself. One of the things I will say too, in this day and age, one of the biggest things that has shifted um, is when I said we moved baptism to the finish lines to the starting line. One of the things that we did during that time too is we moved from a map mentality to a menu mentality. And by that, I mean, in the olden times, every denomination, you know, had its own scope and sequence of the way they did discipleship. And that was kind of thrown out um, for affinity-based ministry and attractional-based model. Now, in the meantime, people used to come to our churches two or three times a week, and now they come two or three times a month if we're lucky. But we have not shifted. We continue to offer for all this stuff. 
Um, we continue to offer all of this training, uh, if you want to call it that. Um, so one of the things that has been like, the reason why I'm at Lifeway is to change church practice, is to say, hey, let's move back to a map mentality. Um, so the other thing that we do is ministry grid. So I'll plug it real quick, especially if it's August when this drops, it's, you know, three ninety nine for your whole church. But in that, it's got specific pathways. Here's a pathway for your volunteers and student ministry. Here's a pathway for your leaders. And then here's a pathway if I'm leading that. So it's three different levels of training that are very scope and sequence that build, you know, one on top of the other. The other thing that is essential to leadership pipeline as well is saying, what are the core competencies? So we would say, hey, one of those core competencies is discipleship. Um, so like Paul Tripp does that whole vertical where it's like, am I a volunteer? Here's what volunteers need to know about discipleship. Here's what leaders need to know. Here's about coaches, people who are leading leaders. Here's what I need to know as a ministry director of my church. And then here's what I know to lead the church. So each one of those competencies builds on each other. It's the same vertical. It's just saying, if I'm a volunteer, then I need to practice spiritual disciplines. Of course. Um, if I'm a level above that, I need to make sure I'm practicing, but also being able to articulate those, call them out in others. And as you grow, you know, at the senior level, of course it is, I need to be able to teach theology for crying out loud, but it's to say, Hey, I may never reach that high level, but if I do, I want to have training to go with it. So it's what you would expect from Lifeway to be honest. If you're Baptist listening and you're really old you'll remember something called training union. Um, and that's what I'm talking about. Basic discipleship, basic development that was step-by-step step with clarity of where we're going, where I'm fitting into this and what my next step is. That my friends is what we're missing in our churches is clarity around those things. No, I absolutely agree. And, and speaking of minister grid, uh, we, we as a church have uh, just recently started doing, utilizing something with, with minister grid and Sweet. I've, fall in love with it. Um, we're trying we're trying to make some changes uh, in our church structure and what we do things. So I absolutely am all for uh, Minister Grid. I can't say any any more good things about it. Good. Um, it's absolutely great. Well, all the church care stuff uh, that, um, you know, J.D. Greer and Jen Hollander, mm -hmm. and uh, it wasn't just, it was like practitioners. There's some church people in there, but it's like, you know, uh, oh, I can't think of the word like detectives and it's, yeah, I don't want to say it's secular people. I'm saying it's people with like advanced degrees in counseling that are doing the training, not just, you know, one of us, it's like legit content. And that has been adopted by, I want to say close to 3000 churches now, but you can actually for free, this is totally for free, assign it to your leaders and track them and get a certificate of completion on sexual abuse uh, prevention and response. I mean, it's ridiculous. And all that is totally free. Church security is free. There's several things that are like, ah, uh, we just need to make this free and give the admin tools for you to be yep. able to sign that stuff. So sorry to uh, plug it, but I mean, that's free and it's really good content. It's the best content you can find. Was I speaking? That's actually one that's uh, we're as a staff or right now going through as a staff, especially with everything that's been going down lately within Southern Baptist. And uh, so we're trying to do as a church, uh, go through it as a staff. We're going through it first and we're actually making all of our leadership uh, within the church go through that training as well. So 
And yeah, that's right now it's absolutely free, um, which we were kind of shocked that was free, but same time, extremely glad it was. Uh, One of the most fascinating things is that um, there are more non-Baptists than Baptists using it. In part, it's because it's not denominationally specific and the 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 people that deliver the content are not just from one denomination. I mean, it is, it's a who's who and it's really solid content. I totally agree. Um, well, if, as we wrap up, if, if somebody wanted to get it connected with you about uh, leadership pipeline um, or about any form of advice about uh, building leadership with structures within the church, what's, what's the best way to get contact with you? Um, so a couple different things. One would be social. So Twitter is just my name, Todd Atkins, A-D-K-I-N-S. Um, Lifeway Leadership is also very well represented there, uh, on the, the, the Twitters, uh, as well. But, um, yeah, so if, if that's the case, you can just shoot me a DM. Um, honestly, we do regionally, we're at different parts of the country, different times a year. So a lot of times we'll come into a place and, you know, there'll be a hundred or 200 people, um, that'll be going through a, a pipeline over the course of two days, but you can again, find all this stuff on, um, on our website. So if you went to, um, life oil leadership's website, or, uh, even if you, I'm trying to think from a pipeline perspective, um, yeah, just if you Googled Lifeway Leadership Pipeline, I'm sure it's going to have a ton of stuff. And there's ebooks and all kinds of mess uh, that I've written and um, would be, I think, really helpful. So, or if you just want to say, man, that was a lot and some of it was random, but I liked two or three things, then check some of that out. And I also do a 90 second leadership thing. So if you went on Twitter and did hashtag 90SL, um, you would see some of those and those are probably what's the most popular thing that we have because it's always visual frameworks that you walk through and it's to say, okay, you know, here's this person's performance and potential. Um, I'm not trying to put them in a box, but if I can chart them, then here's what I do with that person. Oh, this person needs a stretch assignment, you know, and here's what I should do. Um, but we just do a lot of those different things. I'm trying to lead change in my church. So tell me the rule of thirds again. Um, and you know, just walking through what I think is really practical, um, stuff. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do anything that's not biblical, but I refuse to sacrifice what's biblical, effective and efficient on the altar of tradition. Uh, so you won't see any of that stuff from us, but yeah. Well, man, well, Todd, I do appreciate you, uh, Taking out your time because I know you're a busy man. Uh, it's a hard time. Even uh, we had to reschedule this a couple of times. Where part of it was me, uh, with my busyness and your schedule. So I really do appreciate you taking your time out uh, to talk a little bit about leadership and a leadership pipeline and structuring, and how we can take leadership and and apply it in our youth ministries uh, as well. So I really do appreciate it. Good deal. Well, guys, if you have never heard of the leadership pipeline uh, that Todd Atkins helped set up. I would highly recommend looking into it, look at how you can you implement this in your student ministry, creating leaders, building a pipeline of leadership. Also, again, uh, what Todd brought up with ministry grid, recommend or look into that as a, as a church. 
uh, as well, just different ways from training and a pipeline of training, uh, even in that aspect as well. Well, guys, um, what, one thing that I've kind of took away from this is the continuation of how, how important it is to build leaders in students, uh, discipling students to disciple students, building leadership in students, providing leadership roles for teenagers, uh, not just in your your, current, your youth ministry, uh, but also in different as, avenues of the church, whereas in worship, them serving worship, them serving the greeters ministry with children, just different areas throughout the church, using their gifts, serving, being leaders throughout the church. Again, I'm really thankful for everything that Todd comes up with. I'm thankful for uh, just his heart and producing uh, leadership uh, within the church. Again, make sure you stay tuned to next week's episode.